Hey everyone, I'm Miss Shaz Jones, the host of Bible Hacks, and I'm very excited to be joined by my guest today, who is Jim Penman. Welcome, Jim. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> so I describe you as Australia's franchising king. How do you describe yourself? Well, we 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 are the largest franchise chain in Australia by far in terms of numbers, but you've got to bear in mind that, that one Jim's franchisee is a lot smaller than one McDonald's franchisee. So in terms of turnover, we're, we're pretty much, um, you know, little sprats and sardines in the franchising industry, but we're, we've got a very high public profile, obviously. When you say a sardine, are you happy to talk about numbers for turnover? Oh, well, we think we probably turn over something close to a billion dollars in total with franchisees. We've just got we've got just under five thousand franchisees. Wow. Okay. So a billion dollars is not sardines in my language. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fast food industry has, but uh, look, it's it's a good business. We we do well. You are doing well, and you started with twenty four dollars, I believe. Yes, that's right. Basically desperate need to pay the rent. I I, um, I intended to be an academic. Um, I, I was I went to university to try and understand the reasons for the rise and fall of civilizations and came up with an idea which was too radical to give me any sort of academic post. So I decided to launch a business which would allow me to fund my research. So I started pushing a lawnmower around, which was my part-time student job. And I had I was bust and deeply in debt and turned out surprisingly well. <laughs> yes, that's an understatement. <laughs> now, I wanted to talk about your family. Um, in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul writes to his young disciple Timothy and says that he'd seen faith in his grandmother and his mother and encouraged him to have that same faith. What do you think your family passed down to you? Are there any character traits that you think you got from your family? Well, my, my parents are both good people, very um, smart and, and, you know, hardworking, I suppose. You, you pick up these kind of things. My father was never, there's no entrepreneurial talent in my family. You go back generations. Okay. My father was a consulting engineer. My mother was a school teacher. Um, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, oddity in terms of our family history but you know you my, my parents are good people you learn a lot from them I think we owe we owe so much to our parents yes yeah absolutely so you're yeah. uh an independent thinker I think most people that know you would say that yes, where did you get that trait from is that in your family as well or? oh yes yeah my, my father was very much that way he, he was always contrary we'd be watching you know something historical on on, on tv and like a historical film and we get to grab the encyclopedias out and he, and then go through all the reasons why that they were all wrong all, all the evidence was wrong <laughs> my father <laughs> i still i still do that actually last night i was watching the other night i was watching um the, the um the netflix series um the last kingdom and it was how how alfred came to the throne and it made out as though his the son of the previous king was was not worthy. He was just not supposed to be. But in actual fact, the son of the previous king was an infant. That's why he didn't extend to the throne. His father died when he was about 26, so he was uh -huh. too, too young. 
So I, I just love that kind of stuff. And I, I must say, whenever I look at anything, I've always got a different way of looking at things. Okay. That's good. That's very good. Do you think that that's contributed to the success of the business or has it oh, been yes. a challenge? I think you think differently. Jim's is an extremely different franchise system from anything else. There's a whole lot of things that are completely radical. Like, for example, our franchisees have the right to build their business to any extent. They can employ as many people as they like, same base fee, maybe a fixed fee. Um, they can change to a different franchisor. They can vote out their franchisor if they're not happy with them by anonymous confidential survey. And that's including myself, to extent I'm a franchisor. They can veto changes to their own manual. There's, there's a whole stack of things in the way we do, which is really, really radical and unusual. And, and it does contribute to, to success, of course. Mm. That's, that's fascinating. So I'm really interested in the franchising model and why you chose that as the growth vehicle for your business. Well, I have to admit it was mainly fear because because what <laughs> happened is I had a small business building up and selling lawn mowing rounds. This is in the 80s. And then this, this, this giant franchising company that had 250 franchisees came into Melbourne. This is VIP. And I basically panicked. I, I, I went to them and said, look, I, I rang them and said, look, I'm Jim Smoke. They knew who I was. And I said, look, I don't really want to compete with you guys because obviously you're far more capable and successful than I am. So why don't I just help to, to build your business in the state? And so only when they said no to that did I actually go and raid their, their stand in the franchise expo to try and find out what they were doing and see if there's any way I could survive. But even then, I mean, when I started off, somebody asked me how many franchises I might have one day. And I said, look, if it really goes well, maybe one day I'll have 100. And okay. So I was just trying to survive against... But, you know, the, the, secret of, the secret of business is not so much some brilliant idea. It's, it's, it's thousands of little ideas. There's no day of my life, including weekends, including public holidays, including Christmas Day, that I'm asking myself the question, how can I improve? How can I do better? Now, whether it's, whether it's the fastest way to go into tree mowing a lawn or whether it's the better way to make franchisees delighted and want to stay with you or how to improve our administration or customer service or whatever. It's always constant innovation. That That's the secret of it. You don't have to be brilliant at business, and I'm certainly not, just to keep on trying to get better. Okay. And that, that innovation, that drive for always improving, did that come from the Bible or your faith? What informed that drive for you? Oh, I think that's my nature. I was okay. I was contrary even when I was a, a kid. I was <laughs> I went to a, a Christian school and um, I was known as a gadfly. I would actually argue with people about why God didn't exist. This kind of stuff. So uh, I was actually um, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't considered to be a very uh, upstanding student. My best friend was suspended in year twelve for a time and told to stay away from me as a bad influence. So it was kind of. <laughs> I used to I stick up on the sport. Contrary and and up for a good argument, but that doesn't necessarily make them great innovators and you know almost obsessed with the improvement question. Well, um, the interesting thing though, Chaz, is that the, the people who are people have this idea that the kind of people who are most successful and, and creative are those who are sort of child prodigies and really smart in the head and, and get all the prizes and stuff. And I got none of that stuff. I mean, I, I didn't get any prizes in school for anything. Um, I was this, this awkward, socially awkward, unconventional, argumentative, noxious, you know, whatever. 
I, I really was. Um, but it's actually people who do shoot things tend to be more the the gadflies. The, 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 they're the ones that don't fit in very well. And I was like that. But look, where Christianity made a difference was, was in cementing my um, ideological approach. Okay. I mean, there's a very strong sense. Every every email that I get, including the one that you would have seen, has a little trip that goes in. Our first priority is the welfare of franchisees. We are also passionate about customer service. Mm. We sign only franchisees and franchisors. We are convinced we'll succeed. See, the first one, putting franchisees first, having a system that really served them. And the model for that is, is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Okay. Which people don't really understand how incredibly radical that was at the time. Because washing of feet was a very low occupation. It's something that a slave did because feet got really filthy walking those dusty roads. Okay. And it was occasionally a really revered rabbi. His disciples might wash his feet as a sign of respect. So when Jesus actually offered to do that, that was amazing stuff. Mm. That was one of the most revolutionary acts in the whole of human history. And that that model, I don't, franchises don't work for me. I serve them. They're my, they're my ultimate clients. They're my, they're my family. They're my, they're my tribe. I'm, I'm here to make them successful. And that extreme passion is, is what drives so much of what we do. That is very strong Christian ethics. You know, in the whole history of Jim's group, we've been to court twice, wow. twice, because we just really do everything possible to be looking after people. I don't know if you've seen a case with Gardner Holmes lately. It's been in the in the um, in the news, and this franchisor has actually said when these these master franchisees have been built up, at the end of the term they step in and say, "I want it back again." They just take the business back. I mean, he's built a business. And they take it back. This is not uncommon in franchising. That is absolutely outrageous. Mm. It's extraordinary that the government allows it. I've written an open letter to the prime minister complaining about that and saying it should not be allowed to happen. Somebody's built a business. They should own it. Now, in our in our system, we actually have that as a as, as basic part. If you build a franchise or a regional franchise, master franchise, you have the right to sell it to any suitable person at whatever price you want. In actual fact, the only two cases went to court was when we offered to buy them the best price we could get for them. And they said they wanted more money. So more than the market would charge. It wasn't yeah. that. And in, in the end, in, in the end, after all the, the fuss, they accepted what I offered them in the first place, which was a very fair offer. <laughs> so, but that's that's basic Christianity, you know. You, you, yeah. And, and it's, the funny thing about it is that even though a lot of the things we did were made done for ethical reasons. Actual fact, they turned out to be extraordinarily good in business terms. Like, for example, one of the things we have as a policy is we we are very scrupulous about not signing somebody who is not, we've got doubts about, you might say. There are some people who should not be in business. Now, one of my franchisors actually was going to sign somebody who was actually, the, this is a young guy in his early 20s, um, his mother was providing a business and I and, and I asked her why and she said it was because he couldn't find a job and I said you can't have a franchise because that's that's a recipe for failure this the, your son's going to fail and you're going to lose your money now she only approached me because she wanted some, some answers to something like that some questions um, and she got very upset about it she said oh, I wish I hadn't called you and I said look it's a really good thing that you did because your son would have failed it would have been bad for you and bad for him 
Mm. And she said, well, he's, he's got no job. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I know some franchisees in that area who are short of work. Um, why don't they arrange for him to go and have a job with them? And he went out on the road with those guys and he was hopeless. He would have failed so quickly. He just didn't have what it took. Now, that to me was an outrageously immoral attitude for the franchisor to even consider accepting him. And when that franchisor came up for renewal the following year, I said, we're not going to renew, sell the business. And he sold it and he got a good price for it, not to me, to somebody else. But to me, that's a basic ethical breach to sell a franchise to somebody who who we we must know has a has a very limited chance of success. And but that's not normal in the industry. Most franchise systems, especially in the service industry, you, you know, it's thirty thousand dollars in a pulse. That's basically it. They they laugh about it, but that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But we don't. I've just finished talking to a group of my trainee franchisors, and I and I told them about this, and I told them about why they must look to the interests of the franchisees first. That is that is profoundly Christian ethics at the core of what we do. Right. And when when you say that you are serving the franchisees, what mm. do they get out of it? So if, if you're looking at someone who right now, say they have a corporate job or they might be in construction or whatever, and they come in as a franchisee, what do what benefits do they get as a franchisee? Okay, basically the first thing to look at is, is you want to go into business as an independent. Now, you can look this up on, online, just Google it. What is your chance of success? You go into business like cleaning or gardening, what is your chance you'll still be in business in 12 months' time? The actual ratio, and you can look this up online, between 5 and 10% chance, Okay. You, Do you buy mean a gym five to 10% of failure or five to 10% of success? Five to 10% will succeed. We'll wow. still be in business in 12 months. That's how bad the attrition rate is. Okay. And, and this is widely known statistics. I mean, people talk about business in general, but you're talking about retail and all kinds of things, which are different. In the service industry, your chance of succeeding at about five to 10% of being in business in 12 months. With us, the equivalent figure is 88%. That's not 100%. It doesn't guarantee it. And people can fail for all kinds of reasons. I might say, though, the people who do leave in the first 12 months typically have problems like poor customer service, so they're not making the income. So that's that's the basic statistics, what we do. So how do we do it? Okay, first of all, we screen. We don't accept some people because we don't think they've got what it takes. That's not most. It's a minority, but there's people mm-hmm. we don't. Secondly, we have a very rigorous training program. We train for a minimum of three days generic. Then you have your divisional training. We've just got had one this week. We had about 100 people in training. It was fantastic. So we train every session. I run two sessions myself. We talk about the reasons for success. I mean, I hit customer service a lot. And I talk about their rights as franchisees and stuff. So how to improve their income, how to get extra work. Then we give them a lot of work. We're actually very good at that. Most divisions, we've got far more work than we can handle. We knocked back a quarter million dollars last, jobs last year. We are overloaded with work. So it's not difficult. If they haven't got enough work, we give them what's called pay for work guarantee, which means if they make less than a certain amount, which is used been a thousand, two thousand a week, a lot less than most of our guys make. But if they don't make that much, then they can actually go and do free services for anybody they know, their friends, neighbors, relatives, franchises from other divisions, anybody. So we give them the right to do it. And then we pay them for that. Okay. Because by doing that, not only gives them a basic income, but it also grows their business. They get referrals. They get, because most of them do pretty good service. They get 
they upsell. They mm. get experience. They get seen in the street. So it's a very quick way of getting off the ground. So there's your basic structure. And then we have a franchisor role who will ring franchises regularly, at least once a month, ideally in the beginning, at least once a week. And they will talk to them and they will answer their calls. And then we run meetings about every six weeks when you get together and you and you build networks and things. So you put all this, this structure together, all this stuff we've worked out. A lot of which we didn't even understand when we first started. We didn't even know what mattered. But what we found is is that a lot of it's got to do, a lot of it's got some of it's got to do with teaching people how to run a business better, and a lot of it's got to do with moral support. People can feel very isolated in business. So having a coach from the franchise or and having the other franchisees who tend to be very supportive of the new people mm-hmm. and helping them and bringing them up and making friends and inviting them to barbecues and stuff like that, they get to know each other and form this very tight bond. So that, that's the kind of thing that works together. And we're still trying to improve on that. I mean, we haven't reached the limit of it, but we, we're just trying to get better and better. We've discovered recently, for example, that things like uh, meetings work better if we provide food. So we tend to provide food now, like at least franchisees that I look after directly. Um, you know, maybe in something like a pizza or something or a barbecue mm-hmm. or something of that nature. So we, we, we found that added to it. So we're always looking at ways to improve what we do. So I heard two main things there. Number one is the power of community or association um, that they're getting to hang out with each other and learn from each other and get that support uh, and like a discipleship model, really, isn't it? Yes. Um, Yes. And then the, the second thing I heard was like you've worked this out over some 40 years, I guess, of of how to run a billion dollar business and that's what you are teaching them and imparting to them so you're saving them all of that trial and error and pain of trying to work it out but we're also learning things too we're listening one of the things that i do in training is i give my direct phone number and my email address to every franchisee the only thing I tell them is you must not give the phone number to anybody outside gyms. It's sudden death if I find you've done that. But if you want to contact me, you contact me at any time. And it's really useful because sometimes I can help them with things that like they might, they might have slipped by their franchisor and they can't reach their franchisor. But also it gives me ideas or ways to improve the business. And I'm always getting people ringing me and saying, or writing me and saying, this isn't working. This software isn't right. Or this system isn't right. Or why don't we have this? And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's great stuff. It's great ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I'm interested in, because I think it's the closest model to the church as well, yes. because the church is really a global franchise that has local branches or, or outlets and they're used to servicing their community and outreaching to their community. Uh, are you looking for people that have church experience or actually here's the question I really want to ask. A lot of people I think have this idea of do not be unequally yoked in business so they won't sign a contract or have a partner or become a franchisee with someone who is of a different faith or who doesn't have a faith um what do you think about that scripture how do you view your franchisees look i'd love to see say all christians are ethical but frankly i wouldn't do business with somebody simply because they were christian because there's some rogues around 
They really are. And a lot of very decent people. I might say, too, a lot of the people that do best in gyms are not necessarily Christian. Our, our most successful franchisors actually are practicing Muslim and right. others who are Hindus and Sikhs and all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I actually find people of faith easier to understand and talk to than 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 people of, of secular bent. Okay. We've got a lot more in common. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that being Christian itself is the thing. It's, it's the ethical stance behind it that makes the difference. Yeah. Um, I... I um, we tend to attract people who like the ethical stance because I have a book that, that's out called um, Every Customer a Fan that we give out to to, to prospects and, and that, that expresses the values of the company. People who are drawn to that, whether they're Christian or not, tend to like it. Having said that, people with strong Christian ethics tend to like gyms because they recognise it. They can see the way we do things is very much in line with the gospel. But mm-hmm. look, the principles of Christianity are very sound psychologically even to take about the the divine aspect which of course you and i both accept but you know the, the church as a community is really important one of the things i've done for years i just run a um a small group we, we call them life groups um mm. which is great because you have to sort of a pastoral role and you meet up and we have meals together and this kind of stuff too so it's that's really powerful stuff the sense of community that, that yeah. the church gives us and, Can and I ask it's, it's nice. I, I love it when people come up to me and, and, and they're fellow Christians and it, it, it's wonderful. We have a we have an interesting bond and understanding there, which outsiders just can't always understand. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about what church you go to or how would you describe it? I go to um, Crossways, which is a Baptist church. Um, just, they describe themselves as, as um, Baptocostal. So it's, 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 it's Baptist <laughs> with a slightly enthusiastic element to it. We do, we're going for healings and stuff like that too, which is great. <laughs> a slightly enthusiastic element. I like that. <laughs> well, it's a very I, I'm I'm a very emotional about God's yeah. stuff. I mean, it's it's a my my comes on a bit sooky. You know, I get very you know, moved at, at times. And, you know, it, it's a wonderful, joyous thing, isn't it? I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. faith is fantastic. It's a it, it's a way of life and of thinking, which is which is a recipe for success. If you look, there's a study. I'm just reading a book on it now, but, but you know the Harvard study that was done over eight eight decades, something like 1936, of what makes people happy and healthy in later life. They looked at beginning Harvard graduate undergraduates, mm-hmm. and um, the the biggest single thing is community. It's it's community, it's friends, it's personal contact, and marriage is included in that, but not just that. Um, then there's other things too, like not smoking not drinking, which, you know, we Baptists tend to be frown on, drinking to excess anyway. Um, and having, having um, and, and people understand too, that, that you look at, at, at money, um, what people think that having a lot of money makes you happy. Well, that's actually rubbish. It has, it has a very, very loose relationship between happiness and money past about average Australian wage, about 75 grand a year. What, what they found, though, is that the worst way to spend money is in terms of status. You know, I've got a better car or better clothes or a bigger house. That, that wow. has, that's a terrible way to spend money. Experience is better, going out with friends, for example, you know, mm-hmm. experiences with your family. You know, the best way they've found, and this is not Christians, this is scientists doing studies. Mm-hmm. The best way to spend money to achieve happiness is to give it away to a cause that you're involved in. Like my research foundation. Okay. That's that's number one. That's what scientists tell you. Now, if you look at that, if you look at all what the scientists have worked out, 
about what creates a great life and a happy life. When it comes back, the gospel is a perfect, it's a perfect example of that, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it teaches us to mm. look, not to look for the immediate short-term fix, the drugs, the drink, the alcohol, the selfishness, mm. but to look at what you can do for others and be part of a community and help others and, and love others and be loved by them. And that's basic Christianity, but it's also the basic science of happiness. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think um, like tithing, giving offerings, that trains your brain that there's more than enough, that there is an abundance that you can give and still prosper. And I think and I don't that, think you could put God in your debt either. I'm a firm believer in that. That that, that you you it, tithing is 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 a fundamental principle of Christianity, hmm. and it it works in the most basic sense. Yeah. And I know in the past I've had some very hard times when you were couldn't pay your power bill and your electric bill, the phone bill and stuff, and you pay the tithing first and somehow the things come out. It's my experience. And I've been through some very tough times, I can tell you. Yeah. Well, it's like pruning, isn't it? You, you're a gardener. You know about how if you prune something back, it actually brings forth more fruit and um, it helps and direct. And the true vine. Yeah, the growth. Yeah. So I, I, I'm reminded too of Psalm 1 because it talks about the blessing and part of the blessing is what you don't do. It's like the blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffer and all that. So when you're saying I don't do this and I don't do this, sometimes people search for success principles of what they can do, but they forget about the things that they should not do. So I like that you bring the balance of both. Yeah, well, most of success is doing things not necessarily that you feel like right now. There's a wonderful book I've just finished called The Dopamine Nation, which talks about addiction and so forth. And it's always the short-term thinking, do what right now, the alcohol, the drink, the meaningless sex, all the other bad stuff that you do makes you feel good immediately, but long-term it makes you feel worse and worse and worse. Whereas if you do the things that you don't necessarily feel like, but are the right things to do, um, like abstaining, like, like not, not overeating, like exercising, like going out and helping others, all those good stuff. That's what brings long-term happiness. And I am a very happy person. I think I'm, I don't think I was a happier person on the face of the, of the planet than me, but that's, that's that, that basic fundamental principle of, 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 the, of the gospel that, that teaches us how to do that. And it's, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I actually, I, I became a Christian quite late. I was 28 years old. And I, I moved from being sort of anti-Christian to, to, to I switched over like Paul on the road to Damascus, <laughs> shocked a few people too, and became very firm. So I never never do things by halves. But it, it was a wonderful breakthrough. I felt like I was coming from the desert to the promised land. It was it was amazing. Wow, I I love hearing conversion stories because I think that. Yeah. In business, that also gives us hope that the the client that today is saying, no, I'm not interested or whatever, tomorrow could be saying, yes, I'm all in. Because there is the, the human capacity for fooling ourselves is quite high. <laughs> I think Mark Zuckerberg talks about how 
when he was trialling different things for Facebook, he would say, do you want this ability to be able to tag your friends in photos? And everyone was like, no, I'd hate that. It's an invasion of my privacy. Definitely don't want it. And now it's one of the most popular facilities that they have because people don't always understand themselves as well as we think we do. Yeah. Mind you, mind you Facebook and social media in general is a very poor substitute for, for the real thing. We, we need face-to-face contacts. We need personal contacts. Yeah. And, and Facebook is, is, is really damaging. It, it's, it's like an addiction. It, it's, it's people spend far too much time on it. It's much better to, the, the, the proper way to use social media is to make connections with people so that you can then meet them and talk yes. to them and have meals with them and have fellowship with them in whatever level it's, it's, yeah. I don't use social media much myself. I must say, I don't, I don't like it. I have somebody who does it on behalf my behalf, Okay, but I, I find it a very negative and it's also very destructive. There's, there's, there's more and more um, depression and anxiety going on out there. And I think, I think I Facebook think and those kind of things contribute to it. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about someone who is in a place where they're finding their work environment not satisfactory and they're thinking about maybe I should start a business. So at the moment, they might be having like a long commute into the city. They may be, you know, working for someone that they don't like or have no control over their output. They're not proud of their work because the committee comes in and just stuffs it up. <laughs> what what does being a franchise kind of franchisee offer to them in terms of not business, but in terms of lifestyle? Like I imagine it's probably good for family life. What what sort of things do your franchisees tell you? Those are, those are the positives, actually. Look, I'd like some people can go into business and uh, buy a business, and, and 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 it's a really scary thing, and they become millionaires. We've got quite a few franchisees who have become very very rich and successful, and they've got big enterprise and all kinds of things too. Awesome. Sometimes with each sometimes without. So it's certainly possible. I would say the biggest single thing people talk about though. Because one of the things I do, I personally ring up people who've reached their major anniversaries, like 10, 15, 20, 25 years, okay. and ask them what they were doing and just, just talk to them. Yeah. And the biggest single thing I get is that I've got I've got lifestyle. Like one particular guy told me he was working for IGA. He was a manager there, working very long hours as a manager. Mm-hmm. And that's a responsible position, not too badly paid. Mm-hmm. And um, one day when he was leaving really early to go to to work, his four-year-old son said to him, Daddy, I wish you could have breakfast with us. Breakfast with us. That's that one thing. And he said he went to work and his tears were streaming down his face the whole way. And then he quit his job and he bought a Jim's mine franchise. Oh. Now, interesting thing is that he hasn't actually, his income isn't actually any better, even allowing for tax advantage and stuff, than it was as a manager. But he's seen his son grow up. And he said, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that could have compensated for that. I said, do you ever thank your son? He said, every day for that comment, he's changed my life. That's so amazing. So money isn't isn't the big thing. One of the great sayings ever made was that no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And frankly, I think a person who's a billionaire and then whose family life is wasted is a a wasted life. I mean, if you did philanthropy and stuff, that's good, but what matters more than family what mm. matters more than your kids if you've got no time for your children then what are you doing with yourself mm. if you've got no time to have children which is common enough these days 
And and with your model, they do, like if they're in a season of life where maybe they don't have kids yet, they do have um, like the tax advantages, which you just mentioned of, mm-hmm. of um, being a franchisee, but also they have some control over their level of income, don't they? The more yes. they work, the more their income, like they can almost That's set right. their income. It's also very flexible too, you know, like for example, I, I work odd hours at times i can work weekends and all kinds of things but i pick up my son from school and i take him to school virtually every day and we get a little chat on the phone it's about a 20 minute drive that's that's precious that's that's really important now maybe i'm maybe i'm doing emails at 10 o'clock at night but but how do you balance that sort of stuff Mm. having time to spend with your with your family is it's so precious yeah. And other people have done amazing things too. I know one guy I was talking to recently, he's in South Australia, and he works his, his business three days a week. And, and what he does with the other days, he goes out and works with the homeless. Mm. He just goes up and talks to them and finds out what they need and, and where they're at and what he can do for them. I mean, that's, that's an amazing choice of lifestyle. That guy mm. will never become rich. Yeah. But talk about spiritual blessings. And as Jesus said, we, we store up blessings in heaven. That, that's the way it works. Mm. So what do you think holds people back from making the decision to become a franchisee like i imagine people are in business in 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 general let's say look it's it's scary it's not easy and this is why the support mechanism is so important that we give them everything we can but even with all that it's difficult it's stressful look if you go to work you know what your wages are going to be you know what you have to do Whereas if you're in business for yourself, you can make a lot of money, but you can also make nothing because something goes wrong. You have a bad week or, you know, your car blows up or something like that. You've got really, it's, it can be scary. It can be disturbing. Um, One of the issues is too, that you're not actually made to work. Like if you work in a job, you actually go and and you have to turn up, don't you? Mm, Otherwise the boss will say, hey, where are you? (laughs) So it's it's kind of part of it. Now, if you're running your own business, if you feel bad, if you're feeling depressed, you don't have to get up. You can just lie in bed all day. Nobody's going to pick on you. Yeah. So So you need to be disciplined. People who've got emotional problems and depression and anxiety and Mm -hmm. stuff can can really struggle. So I'd say one of the prerequisites for coming into business is that you've got a fairly, you're fairly resilient and fairly tough in your nature. Because it, it's wonderful. I love it. And most people love it. But it can be challenging. So you've got to be very aware of who you are and what you want out of life and what you're capable of. And what about finance? I imagine that there's a, a franchise fee and some people might be thinking, well, I don't have, you know, that franchise fee sitting around. <laughs> are there well, it's, payment it's, it's plans or do banks lend or how can they overcome that? Financial yeah, bank, banks lend, or we have yeah. various systems of finance and stuff. It doesn't look at a typical gym's franchises, say a mine franchise, about 30,000 with equipment. It's not too big. And sometimes you can rent the equipment and you can get finance on it. There's it, not a it's not a big upfront investment for, for any business. I mean, some are, if you wanted to buy something like a skip bins franchise, you're talking about a quarter million dollars. I mean, those guys make a fortune, but it's 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 very heavy up front. And there's others. We've got a, a franchise in Pet Patrol, which costs just under $10,000. Okay. So it's, there's a big variation in, in what they cost to get into. But look, it is it is, it is is scary in a way. I, I'd say for people going into business, uh, it, if you're looking at a franchise, 
important thing is do your homework really carefully. Even within gyms, I mean, most of our franchisors are pretty good. Some are really brilliant. And there's one or two that I wouldn't buy a franchise off too. And what's we've the, actually breached. What's we've the actually website? Breached we've got less years. than a minute to go. So what's the website if people want to get in touch with you? www.gyms.net. Gyms.net. Okay. www.gyms.net. If anybody wants to email me direct, jim at gyms.net. Just, just email me through. If you're, if you're a Christian and you want to talk about anything, I'm happy to have a bit of a chat with you online. Oh, that's that's a wonderful offer. I don't know too many people who have um, someone with a billion-dollar business that they can just email if they want to have a chat. Yes. When you say a billion dollars, that's a turnover. I'm that's not, a turnover, no, yeah. not worth a billion dollars. I'm not even close to that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to write me a check for a billion, Jim. (laughs) You tried to put me for the BRW rich list and you said, you've got to be joking. I'm not even close to that level. (laughs) Lots and lots of franchise 